Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. This is your host, Scott Ramage. <laughs> Story with that. And uh, today on the show, it's been Tim, the man with two first names. Uh, and Ben was in the Marine Corps. Uh, he'll tell me a little more about that. He said a helicopter gun runner. Is that correct? <laughs> helicopter door gunner. There we go. I already oh, messed yeah. up the intro, but that makes this so much more exciting. <laughs> He's been into strength sports for many, many years. He's a, he was a fitness instructor in the military. He is a gym owner. Get this. His gym is in San Diego and the man lives in Tennessee. And he currently works for Uplaunch. And more importantly, he's a father and he's a husband. Welcome to the show, Ben. I'm super excited to be here, guys. The uh, big fan, you know, and uh, the first time I saw the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, it was like, I need to be part of this group like this. That sounds like people that I want to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I go figure you're in the fitness industry and Josh and I are in the fitness industry and a lot of people are in the fitness industry in here, but we're not exclusive to that. We're no, not. exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it was I think it was Matt Taylor, the one of the founders of Uplaunch, who who invited me in. Oh, right. right on right and on. i was like oh yeah like and as soon as i got in I'm like cool and that's what like i see people like asking comments and i'm like oh man i just like having these conversations are i mean i wish that i had learned some of this stuff right and if there's literally a little bit of something i've learned in my life that can help someone else and i'm like it's just going to make the, the world a better place. So that's the idea. That's the vision, right? Like that's the vision for the podcast, at least is just, and the mission is to just get it out, get, get the message out there. Let fathers um, from different areas in life, different experiences, help others learn from their own. And, and so yeah. really cool. And the reason I reached out to you is because you are involved in the group. You are out there pushing some really great ideas and, and responding and being supportive. And I'm like, ding, 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 next winner. Um, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> you <one>? won <laughs> a guest spot on the podcast. And uh, uh, I thought there was going to be a chicken dinner. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make chicken dinner. I heard you cook. I can. Yeah, I, there I, I do. do. <laughs> so, so. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm super pumped to have you. It's it's guys like you who are are putting in a little bit of work here and there, really lifting others up, um, speaking into their lives with your own experience. That's that's what makes this group ticks tick. And uh, you know, and it's the stories of these types of people that I want to tell, I want to hear. And so, um, man, Marine Corps helicopter door gunner. There you go. There you okay, because you're in the door yeah. and you're you're holding probably yeah. a machine yeah. gun of some sort. Yep. Yep. Big 50 cal machine gun. Oh, a big one. So yeah. Yeah, big one. So uh this is like there's some things that you'll learn in your life that you never unforget or you'll never unlearn, right? Like so I flew in a CH-53 Echo helicopter in the Marine Corps. It's the fastest, largest, strongest, biggest helicopter in the US military. Uh, and that was pretty much how they sold me on it. They were like, everybody's sitting around like, who wants to fly in this? Who wants to fly in this? And they're like, this is a CH-53 Echo. It's the fastest, biggest, strongest, uh, most kick-ass. Oh, I don't know if we can swear. Um, you know, helicopter there is. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> um, but so I flew around on that. Uh, I signed up in 2004, uh, right after, you know, uh, kind of the initial invasion and push and all that stuff. And 
decided I wasn't really happy with where my life was going. I had made some wrong turns. I was in college, but not really in college. Like I was at school, but not in school um, or the other way around. I don't know how that goes, but yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, so I joined, it was super funny. I, I came home. My mom had always told me, she's like, you got to join the military. You got to get some discipline, you know, like this and that. And I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. And I used to tell people like, oh, I have a hard time listening to other people tell me what to do. And it's all bull. And uh, I just came home and I was like, hey, I joined the ring. I joined the military. And she was like, awesome. Did you join the uh, the Air Force? I was like, no. Why would I join the Air Force? She's like, did you join like the Army? I was like, no. She's like, the Navy? I was like, no. I was like, I joined the Marine Corps. And she's like, what are you going to do something stupid like that for? <laughs> Fast forward a couple of years. My mom is one of the, she's, you know, military mom, super proud. Marine Corps mom is even more proud. And, you know, I picked the Marine Corps because I don't, I don't believe in an easy life. I, I believe that there are things that can make our life easier, but I believe that without adversity, without challenges that we overcome, it, those are the things that help shape who we are. And the people in my experience who have led that easy life with zero adversity and zero challenges that they've ever had to come, they don't have depth in there as a person. So I believe in adversity and that happens in everything from how I manage uh, my employees to how I, you know, father my children um, because those are the things that help shape us. So I had told my mom, I was like, if I was going to join any branch of the service, like I'm going to pick the Marine Corps and anybody who's listening to this, I will fight you in a one-armed thumb war right now that the Marine Corps is the best and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm sorry. So we, ha- we have them uh, all, in all areas. So you probably got some. Yeah, we do. And I, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong. Like I will, I appreciate everybody who serves. Like there's no doubt about that. Like I will stand behind someone who is in the coast guard or the, you know, anybody who's done some type of service, like I will always stand behind them. But when it's, we're in a room of Marines and army and sailors and airmen, the Marines win. So, uh, but yeah, I, I did that. I, uh, I did a bunch of deployments. I was, I was in Iraq uh, a couple times, Afghanistan a couple times. Uh, I was on the boat, just got to see, super cool, got to see a bunch of the world. Um, I think I've been over to like something like 35 something different countries. And like, so it's super fun, right? Uh, But at the same time, like there was definitely some adversity, you know, things that were overcome and stuff like that. Um, And so that, that was all like great. I came back from that and that's when I, I was, you know, I was telling Scott, uh, I, I knew I was, my time was coming to an end in the military. I'd done 10 years. I was tired. I was, uh, for lack of a better term, I was worn out. I was, I had been leaned on very heavy for like, there were times that like I showed up to my unit and they're like, don't unpack. We're leaving. I was like, okay, cool. Deployed came back and they're like, don't unpack. We're leaving in four months. I was like, Oh, Okay didn't unpack, came back and they're like, Hey guys, I know that it's been real rough, but we're actually going to leave again in six months. And I'm like, okay. So my first four years of the Marine Corps, I had spent more time deployed than I did in the States as a Marine. So I was worn out. I was tired. Uh, and I decided, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to either open a motorcycle shop or, uh, uh, a, a gym. And I met my wife at a CrossFit gym. Um, we also knew each other from plenty of fish, but I didn't comment or like send her a message because I thought that was creepy. Right. <laughs> and I want to be like the gym creep who was like, Oh, I seen you like work out and right. I'm going to be like, Hey, 
you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if they had Netflix and chill then, but you know, right. They, uh, I don't think that was a term then. I don't think but, so. Yeah. We, uh, we started dating and then she was like, Hey, you should open a gym. I think it'd be super cool. And got into fitness, you know, really got into building and trying to do that. It's so hard. I mean, you know, it, it does, like, it's, it's one of those things, like at the same time, like my favorite photos of me and my son, when he was young is literally my son sitting in a, a bouncer, a car seat, a um, layback thing next to me as I'm laying gym mats. Right. Right. We did a time-lapse of like when we laid the gym out and it was like laid four mats checked on the baby, laid four mats, check on the baby, laid four mats, fed the baby, laid four mats, change the baby. And if you haven't, just for the listeners, if you haven't moved gym floor mats, which usually are horse stall mats, yeah, it's a rite of passage. Um, you need to break a few knuckles. You need to slice mm-hmm. a finger open, trying to size them. And then you need to try and basically a flat, wet noodle, move a flat, wet noodle that weighs over a hundred pounds. That's what that's yep. <laughs> yeah yeah well have, have you ever used the gym mat movers well no i used vice grips oh okay vice grips that's that's better yeah. so any gym owners out there if you have horse stall mats if you haven't checked these things out they're called mat movers you can buy them at tractor supply you can order them on amazon they're like 20 bucks a piece my gym now we have a larger gym it's something around like eight thousand square feet we have over 454 mats in the facility yeah we have six sets of these things Right. Because if we're going to move floor mat, especially right now, our gym's in California. So it's inside, outside, inside, outside, inside, outside. Can't work out, work out. Um, so our mats have moved a whole bunch. Yeah. But yeah, you got to get a, you got to get some mat movers. Literally the, I'm going to, I'm just best investment I've ever made in our gym. Yeah. That's, that's a, uh, that's a solid being from that background. Having gone through it, I use horse stall mats in my garage. It's wall to wall, end to end horse stall mats. Even that project was a massive workout and you have to oh, have yeah. something with leverage. And um, I just saw those about a week ago pop up. Someone was talking about them in one of the affiliate groups. I'm like, oh yeah, that's so smart. But you know, we're not, gym owners aren't the, aren't the, uh, the precipice of that. I think it came from well, probably yeah. a barn, you know, barn supplies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably somebody who like went to go buy some horse stall mats at Tractor Supply or something like that. And then they had them sitting next to the shelf and they're like, yeah, that's what we need. And then they grew. Yeah. You know, yep. gym they owners marketed it. Yeah. Gym owners as a whole, we are not, we are a funky bunch of people. The, we almost none of us come from a business background. Almost none of us come from a like, trainer like i went to college for a sports like i don't have a like i don't have a master's in sports psychology or sports physiology or anything like that right right but that's who opens gyms and and we're the the guys that like you got to figure stuff out there's solutions and you're like i saw this guy do this once and you know like i'm gonna try this try that try this it it fits your motto no easy life that's for sure yeah that that, it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah my my wife would 100 percent agree with you that it fits the model of no easy life yeah and they, she uh, was the one prodding you on in the early times in the early days. oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
And even like through COVID, uh, even as time has gone on, like before we moved to Tennessee, I was like sitting there and like, we've been closed for like four months. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I think this just might be the end. And that was when equipment was super scarce. Yep. And we have, a because I have a purchasing problem, um, I had a plethora of equipment. I literally looked at it. I was like, I've got 115 grand in equipment right now at like current value. I could offload this on the market, easily pay off, you know, anything that we have. I can give a nice little chunk to my managers and be like, cool. And I can have this little nest egg and I can go buy a tractor and build a barn or whatever, right? And those big farm things. And I was like, and my wife's like, no, I think we should just stick with it. And I was like, all right. And here we are like six months later. And I'm like, just stick with it, huh? That was your idea. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you moved to Tennessee, which I just finished a podcast before I hopped on this one from a guy from California. And um, he's like, yeah, I think we're moving to Tennessee. He's, he's got a farm in California. He's got beautiful acreage, but he's like, can you imagine how much acreage I could have in Tennessee? <laughs> yeah. And then I know Eric LeClaire who mm-hmm. lives in California is moving. to. Ten- I think he's, 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 he's working on it. Percent there. Yeah. Uh, chatted with him yesterday. And then my, I've been talking to my wife for some time. Like it's beautiful. They have mountains. Like we grew up around in Oregon. Um, man, Tennessee looks pretty sweet right now. So listen, like there's no sales tax or there's no uh, income tax. Right. Right. They've got, you can get wonderful property right now. I mean, we, what we bought, we bought a 22 acre plot um, just south of Athens uh, or just south of Athens. So we're between Knoxville and Chattanooga. We're not, we didn't move to Nashville or we, we weren't looking for San Diego in Tennessee. We were looking for Tennessee. Yeah. Right. Right. And what we bought, we got a four bed, four bath house, 22 acres. I have a detached two car garage and a six car under the house garage, like basement. So it's giant home gym, home, <laughs> home gyms is a t- detached garage. My oh, wife. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. So that was actually built before any of our boxes were unloaded. So yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, but we were able to buy that for less than a two bedroom uh, condo in San Diego was going to cost us. Yep. yep. And I was like, this is a no brainer. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's, th- there has been a, a lot of movement happening. I live in Texas and that's why people used to always come here. And now the mm-hmm. prices of houses are up and um, the culture, like where I've lived has changed dramatically because people are moving here. It's a, it's a really yep. interesting thing. Um, so you still have the, the gym active mm-hmm. in San yep. Diego and yep. you are uh, living in Tennessee. Your wife is working full time and you, you shared with us with me beforehand that she works on Australia time right now. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So that's, my wife's, uh, she works, she's a director at a software company and uh, the big account that they're working on right now is in Queensland, Australia. So we actually lived in Queensland, Australia. We lived in Brisbane uh, for nine months Fun. while I owned a gym. And that was what really was the test for me. I was like, well, hey, if I can, if I can own my gym and move to a different country for nine months, then I can own my gym and live in a different state. Yep. Right. And I didn't know that's what I was testing for, but it wasn't easy. So let's try it. Um, 
we were, but so my wife works Australian hours. So she doesn't start work until like noon and then we'll finish between 10 midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. Like if they're doing, they do these long trainings where she'll be on the phone um, with Australia, you know, with Brisbane, she'll get home at one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. So that, that leverages a lot of the responsibilities with the taking care of our kids and stuff like that um, on me. And it's, it's not a matter of, and it's like, my wife tries to get in this, like, it's got to be equal, but it's, it's not. And it's, it's okay that it's not. I own a gym and I work at uh, Uplaunch, which is a gym software company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good job. I love the people that I work with. I like what I do. You know, I get to talk to gym owners all the time and help them solve problems. But I'm not going to buy a brand new, you know, G-Class or whatever like that. Right. right. My wife, on the other hand, who has a master's degree, who is a director at a software fund, you know, like she works on like $20 million projects. My wife's the primary breadwinner. So I'm like, okay, if you have to work late, like you have to work late. Like it's not a big deal. Right. Right. I'm not upset. Good. If you, you've been tuned into the the page, the group long enough, you know, I am not a believer in 50, 50 marriages. They are, they are. They are a fallacy and they're a setup to lose. Uh, I'm in like each person and it should be giving a hundred percent. And that hundred percent is going to totally look different depending on the cycle (laughs) of your life. And guess what? You're not responsible for your spouse's percentage. (laughs) Like, like, uh, you know, we all go through our things. We all have changes that we make. We all grow. We all have work or new, new ventures. And so what I'm hearing from you is, um, you're putting in hundred percent. You got two little kids. You yeah. got a, you got a daughter that's three and a son that's five uh, yes. and a wife that sometimes isn't getting home till midnight. So, or, or beyond. How's that been? Uh, it's been rough. I'm not going to like there. So not only does she work Australian hours, she does before COVID, she traveled to Australia quite a bit. So uh, we were talking about this the other day. Um, there were, there was one, there was one, block where she was actually gone for six weeks um so for six weeks i was every morning and this is really funny when my sister i have a sister uh she was married to my best friend uh from back in the day he was in the marine corps he deployed and i would go see her uh she lived in california and i would see her she had two kids and i'd be like how's it going she's like i haven't showered and i don't even remember the last time i took a shower and i was like how do you not remember the last time you took a shower now i was a single no children, you know, guy at the time who was like, yeah, I want to buy a new motorcycle. So I went and bought a new motorcycle. I called my sister after three weeks. And I was like, I understand where you were coming from. I was like, I don't remember the last time I took a shower because it's literally from 530 in the morning when everybody gets up and we have to start moving to nine o'clock at night. And then I sit on the couch and I fall asleep. Right. Yeah. So it's definitely not, it's not easy, but at the same time, like it's, I wouldn't want it any other way. And I, and I, I get to look at like some of the things that are super important to me. Like I, I came from more of like, I grew up in a, like my parents split when I was younger. I had a great relationship with my father. I have an amazing relationship with my mother. I learned a lot from my dad. I learned more from my mom, but I always i know that everything like our kids are sponges and everything that they learn right now is what is like molding them for the future right 
and my goal is like if my son and daughter aren't the next Genghis Khan then like what did I do I did something wrong like they should be ready to take over the world at any given moment like they have been molded for that maybe not necessarily Genghis Khan but you know what I, like the, the idea makes sense yes the idea yeah, conquer so yeah to, to conquer and you know like we have these little things that and I, it's funny from anybody who's in the military, like I use ditties in our house all the time. So like my son will be like, like he was four years old and I was like, cool. He memorized my number, my mom, my wife's number. Like he remembered these things. We use ditties for that. But at the same time, we would race to like from the staircase to the truck. And I would half and half, I'd let him win. I'd win. I want him to understand the the joy of, of being first and trying real hard and winning at the same time, I don't want him to believe that ever, like you always have to try. So we have a saying that Tim's never, Tim's uh, never quit. Right. And Tim's keep driving. So like, that's a family motto. That's awesome. I love that you have family mottos. And I think we have the same thing. I had this conversation in the last pack, last podcast, Failure is a good thing. Experiencing failure yes. is an incredibly important thing and building it in. I, I've never heard someone talk about like really strategically. I, well, I have, but strategically winning some and strategically losing some. And uh, the, the thing is, is also when we lose, make no excuses. It's like, oh, yeah. you, oh you're, you're tired today or whatever. No, it's like, no. yeah. You suck today. Sorry, bud. <laughs> yeah, you got to try harder, bud. You want to beat me? You got to try harder. Yeah, and I love the never yeah. give up. The never give up. Um, once something that we've done, and I'm sure you'll do. Hearing you talk, I'm sure you'll do when your kids get into sports. Is like if you decide to go, go out for that basketball team, that football team, whatever it is, and you get into it and you hate it, you signed up for the season, bud, mm-hmm. and you're gonna give it your all for that season. When it's done, you can make a decision yep. if you're moving forward or not. But you made a commitment and we're going to stick to it. Yep. You said you were going to do it. You're going to do it. Yeah. 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 The, some, some of the greatest lessons come from that. Um, so a lot of hours, how do you maintain your, um, your connectedness or your being in the, in the moment with your kids when you, you know, I'm sure when your wife texts or calls or whatever, you, you, you attend to that and then you mm-hmm. have business that things that you have to attend to. And I know how easy it is to get distracted and, and lose touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's different things that I do. Um, and it's, you know, how everybody fathers and parents is different. I believe in rough housing. So like I try to at least four times a week lay on the floor and literally wrestle like tickle wrestle like with my kids um so like i will say like all right cool like we're waiting we're, i'll we'll start dinner in 30 minutes but for the next 30 minutes we're gonna we're gonna just play right here um even small things like giving my kids chores is part of and how the way i explain it to them is like you're part of our family and you want our family to be successful so you are going to help you know, my, my son feeds the dog. Um, anytime we have cardboard, it goes on the back porch and then he puts it uh, in the burn pile. He drags it across the yard in the burn pile. My daughter helps sweep. Like we come up with chores. We make our beds. We, we do all these little things. And I, I try to find little things to do with each of them. Like I take my son to the movies sometimes. Like well, we went and watched uh, 
we went and watched Wonder Woman 84 and I felt bad that I took him to such a terrible movie hey, to go I'm see. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was I literally told somebody I was like, I would rather watch the Green Lantern on repeat for 24 hours than watch Wonder Woman 84 again because it was so bad. I heard that. I didn't watch it. I it was that. bad. Don't. But so we we do that. Uh we we're at a really interesting age now where like so my wife is from California. And I say that with love, but my wife is from California. <laughs> we had to have a, and we had a very uh, in-depth uh, conversation about uh, firearms in the house and what does hunting look like and stuff like that. And she was like, I don't think it's safe. And I was like, well, that's because that was, you know, I believe that's how you were brought up on this. I was brought up hunting. And I was like, all right. And we had this very long conversation about like, this is going to be something I'm going to do with both my children. I'm going to take them out. We're going to talk about not just hunting and guns, but the life cycle, how nature works, like why, um, you know, the respect of an animal that uh, we have hunted, killed and, you know, processed and eating that process, like that is a life cycle. All those little things are things that like we're going to go over. And my wife was like, I don't like the idea of like them being around guns. And I'm like, I totally get that. There's more to it than that, you know. So but we have conversations about it. And we decided like we were going to wait a while till we started. And I was like, that's fine. Um, but just trying to find little things, you know, like my I don't know. My kids got this little thing where you like flip a dog's tail and like. It's like tic-tac-toe and connect four with a catapult, right? <laughs> All his name's like Tony or something. And like we laid on the floor the other day and I totally felt bad because we laid on the floor and we played just back to back to back, just going back to back to back. And I looked up and it, we have an eight o'clock bedtime and it was like 9.15. And I was like, oh, we have to go to bed, guys. <laughs> that's, a, that's an incredible problem to run into unexpectedly. Yeah. 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 I it wanna- was... But good. I, I want well. I want. I want to jump back to the roughhousing. Um, research shows how incredibly powerful that is. With boys and girls, there's a confidence thing. There's yep. a body awareness thing. There is a, uh, a understanding that um, uh, touch isn't physical touch isn't necessarily only harmful or only sexual like there's mm-hmm. believe it or not there's an in-between <laughs> and yep. um i remember growing up my dad that was like it's the best part of the day come home and yep. he's like, for the hour as soon as i get home all we're doing is playing and usually that meant like uh we i, I we called it indian wrestling which is probably an offense mm-hmm. to somebody but the legs <laughs> together and yeah. and um we would do that kind of stuff and wrestle and slam each other with pillows and make uh you know people sandwiches and Mm -hmm. all sorts of great things and um i think we've lost that i I really Mm -hmm. i think a lot of folks have lost that and my son was going through a a class and they were talking about the difference between being male and being a man and i was like that (laughs) they got not every male is a man and they they definitely find these things and i'm like wow you've got to do that kind of stuff with your son mm-hmm. and with your daughters uh, yeah. because that prepares them for life. It prepares your daughters to uh, raise boys 
in the right way mm-hmm. and know how to interact with men in the right way. And it raises your sons. I mean, you got, it's in our DNA. It's part of our hormones. And I just, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. No. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I am a hundred percent with you. I used to the same. My mom would tell me, she's like, she's like, you would wrestle with your father until you cried. She's like, and then it was like, okay, cool. That was enough. She's like, but there were times like he would come in and be like, all right, all right. Like, that's enough. He's, and she's like, cause your, your dad was a little older and he's sweating and his hair is all messed up. <laughs> and she's like, but those were like, I remember all that. Yeah. Right. And I agree. It teaches you to like, if you like, you fell, you fall down. Like, and this happens, like my daughter's three years old. She falls down and she starts crying and she's like, ah, oh. and I'm like, okay, get up, shake it off. Yeah. And this is like a common thing that we do. Resilience. Like get up. Shit. Yeah. You got to have this resilience. I tell her, I joke with my wife. I was like, Tim's are durable. We're durable people. So uh, we have to sometimes build in that durability. You know, uh, I think that the, the rough housing and being physical and all that. And then, you know, at the same time, going outside and being physical, running around, stuff like that. That was a big negative for me in California was even if I had a million dollars, the best thing I could do was buy a half acre yard that I had to be outside with my children because there's so many people. And like, I think that the percentage of crazy people and good people is the same everywhere. But when you have half a million people, you're, there's more crazies, yeah. right? Just, and it, it's just the math. But we couldn't, we couldn't do that with our family outside. Here, my kids get to wake up on a Saturday. They put their muck boots on and their jackets and they go outside and the rule is as long as you can see the house you're fine i think back on that that's such a beautiful beautiful thing i think back on that when i grew up <laughs> cuz my wife she she loves my boys i mean our boys she i mean mm-hmm. She's the most incredible mother, but sometimes she's like, I just, that makes me nervous. And I remember growing up and we had um, huge farm ranch properties behind us. This is an Oregon, more specific farm properties. And it was just acres and acres and acres and it go into the woods and there was creeks with raging water and there was mountains. And I would not, I would literally leave and then eight hours come, I would leave with a BB gun on my back, a backpack full of stupid stuff. And eight hours, come home, drenched <laughs> to the, you know, to just completely soaked. And it was normal. There yep. was, my mom wasn't freaked out. She's like, oh, did you have a good time? I'm like, yeah, I killed a bird. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think back on those times, I'm like, that was building resilience. That was building a sense of yep. adventure. That was building independence. I love the house in, in sight. I love that you're in a place that you get to do that. It's yeah. a really great opportunity you've given your kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. My wife is very similar. I think she gets she gets super worried. She literally comes over to me and she's like, she's like, what do you think of these? And on Amazon, she's showing me child Apple Watch GPSs. You can locate them. Yeah. yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, listen, I was like, if you want to buy those because that will make you feel better, I understand that. I think it's a bad investment. I don't think it's worth the 70 bucks for the two of them. I was like, they're not going to wear them. They're going to die. They're going to like, you know, like are the kids are going to break them or where we live, you might not get service (laughs) more than likely. (laughs) So, you know, like I feel bad because sometimes we'll be on a phone conversation and it just goes away and you're like, Oh, okay. At the same time, I love that. 
Our kids play outside now. They don't watch TV. You know. Well, team, uh, th- here's another thing. I want to talk. I want to talk about this because I think a lot of I think a lot of men need to hear this. You know, uh, in fact, it came up in the group. My, you know, entertaining my kids. Um, hey, don't. Like, yeah. like, guess what happens when you relieve them of all of those <laughs> things? Take the TV away, take the games away, take yeah. the phone away and say, hey, have Figure fun. It out. And yep. before you know it, that creative mind starts to work. And, uh, and you, it is, it has, it's a muscle that has to be built. And it's a muscle that has to be, it's just like keeping your body in shape. It's just like staying strong. It's yep. got to be. Mean, it's literally like the, so I'm, I'm re-going through uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad okay. right now. Yep. Yep. And that's like the first thing that he talks about is like my, you know, rich dad said like, it's a muscle and I have to use it every day. It's, it's, and I agree. My, my wife will, she, I, and I, I, I know my wife, she might hear this and I love you to death, but my wife, uh, because she has guilt, she's a mom, she has guilt about not being around the kids as much, about working late, about traveling and all this. And she, so she feels bad. So she sometimes will try to use gifts as a way to, and I call it like she tries to buy love, right? So she orders presents and gifts and stuff off Amazon. She's like, hey, mommy, bought you this stuff. And I'm like, cool. I wouldn't have done that. First off, they're going to break that in 10 minutes. And like, I'm glad, or you bought the, the fire truck that just like, as it sits in the toy box, just randomly starts going off. Yeah. You know, it gives me the, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, but I was like, at the same time, like, just give them like my son walks around right now with a, with a stick and it's his walking stick. And I'm like, all right, I don't know where you figured out you needed a walking stick, but I'm glad you got a walking stick. And he, like, it sits on our back porch. Mm-hmm. It's his walking stick. He's like, we had a talk. Like, you can't bring your walking stick to school. You know, like, you can't send your kid to school with this giant stick. It's just a rule, I guess. But crazy rule. <laughs> those, those are the things like not having TV for education. Like, I, and I don't think that TV can be bad. Like, I right. think it's fine to have a relaxing, like, hey, we're going to relax, we're going to chill out. Um, and I think that those stories, you know, I watched movies as a, as a kid, and I think that. There's a lot of cool lessons that we can learn and emotions that we can tap into uh, momentarily through stories, right? Yeah, for sure. But it's not, it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be an eight-hour marathon of Peppa Pig. You know, at the same time, like when we lived in California, we lived in, like I said, we lived in a 900-square-foot, third-story apartment. It was literally our apartment, a parking lot, and a seven-lane highway. There was, there was like, if, if we were going to take my kids to a playground, it was a three hour ordeal because we had to get ready. We had to get in the car. We had to drive to a part a playground. All right, cool. We're here. We can play. Then we had to come back, you know, and all like, it just wasn't that type of freedom wasn't uh, a thing there. And like the day, and it was, it's, it's silly, but like my daughter, came in and she had grass everywhere in her hair because they were rolling down a hill and I was like and I had to stop myself because I was like I'm not mad like I'm upset that we have to do the bath again 
right now, right? And then I'm going to have to sit here with the comb and try and get all this out. At the same time, like, I'm really glad that, like, you guys just spent an hour rolling down a hill. Yeah. It hurts. You get adrenaline. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's dirty. Uh, and your imagination is going wild. Like, the things that you're thinking as you're running back up the hill or as you're going down, like, you know, so I think that creative, that outdoor uninhibited play is so incredibly powerful. I think it's something that's been, um, we're seeing the ill effects of not enough of it right now. Yeah. Yep. And then, um, yeah. It's the beauty of that stick, the walking stick. Mm-hmm. When he's out there, I'm, I'm sure if it hasn't happened, it's going to turn into a gun. Oh it's yeah. It's going to yep. be a snake. And it's, oh, gonna, yeah. you know, and the, the, so there's just so much growth that can happen through those things. And I think parents are afraid to turn off the TV it, because it's free mm-hmm. entertainment, but it's not um, yep. the, the, the pay, the pay that you, it's free, it's free babysitting, but you're going to pay in, in spades in the future. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. One, one thing that came up in the uh, podcast I just shot uh, with Ian was, and, and it's a it's a motto. It's part of our values for the brotherhood of fatherhood. Is he said, "Hey, look, I'm not here to raise kids. I'm here to raise the future men and women." Yep. Uh, and and how do you feel about that statement? I I a hundred percent agree. Like so, when we found out we were pregnant, now my wife and I had only been dating for six months. Um, she actually didn't want children. I had been waiting my whole life to be a father. And I was like, okay, like, well, you know, and I, you know, we went through all that. We ended up, we had our son Lincoln, super excited. And I, she was like, you know, I'm just not sure about this. I was like, listen, we have one goal. It's to make sure that our children are productive members of society and they're not a bunch of assholes. Yep. I was like, that's our goal. I was like, because they're going to be the ones that are, you know, doing, going forward. I was like, every single thing that we do now is magnified and multiplied into what people see them as in the future. And it's all the little things that we don't think about how you communicate, how me and my wife communicate. Yeah. We do not, I, I can, I can, I don't want to say do not emotions are emotions. I think in the last six years, my wife and I have raised our voice to each other three times total. And then it was an instant. The voice went up, stop. Let's have a conversation. If we need a moment, we'll take a moment. Let's have this conversation though. Um, we show affection. You know, yes. I, I am a man and I am attracted to my wife and I show affection. I, um, I, I want to pause. Yeah. <laughs> Hold that thought, pause. Okay. So on both of those, uh, I tell my boys all the time. I'm like, if you want to be successful in life, follow your dad's footsteps and hire someone you see as totally hot for who she is. I mean, and I, I am in love with your mom. I'll grab her butt in front of them. I'll hug her in front of them. I'll kiss and make out with her in front of them. I don't care if they get all fresh. I'm like, dude, just wait. You're going to love it when you have the same thing. But then if we have an argument now, what we've done is we will have it in front of the kids, but then it's like, just like you, it's like, woo, we need to pull this down. Yep. If they catch a glimpse of it, we use that as an opportunity. And I really actually think they should see that because it's impossible yeah. not to. But then yep. one of us 
and it's it's magic how it's always we just kind of rotate through this we'll go back and talk to them hey we are humans we are individuals who came together and married each other we're gonna see things differently sometimes but that Mm -hmm. does not affect our love for each other we operate great within these confines and this is how we deal with it and we're setting them up so that when they're married they know it's okay to fight guess what it's not happily ever after it's one day at a time work yep yeah so uh, I just, I just kind of wanted to touch back, roll back a little bit and say, yes, your wife, like I, we are men do yeah. what men do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, <laughs> I a hundred percent and like, I get it. Like some people aren't comfortable with that. Um, I think that it's something that you should open yourself up to be comfortable with. Like there's no doubt in any of my, children's my families my friends anyone who just sees us like that i i love my wife like i i chase her constantly right but i i and i think it's okay to and like we have these conversations too like like it's okay that daddy walks by and smacks mommy's but it's not okay that lincoln does it right, right? yeah definitely. because they yep you gotta kind of set and this is the rules and then it gave a great opportunity for me to talk to my son about like, it's not okay to do it unless you're asked to do it. Right. And Lincoln was like, well, how do I know if they, well, what are they going to ask me? You'll know when you know, if they say it's okay. And that'll be and like, this is the other thing I look at is like, not every, we don't have to teach every lesson at this age or right now or anything like that, but we can start setting foundations for other lessons coming forward. Right. And that'll get into like later on as me and my son talk about the big lessons of, you know, uh, how we talk about, you know, small stuff. Like I was raised like you don't hit women. That was just like my dad had very simple rules and you don't hit women is one of them. And at my son's age of five and my daughter three, like they wrestle and all that. I was like, cool. Every time I say, I was like, you don't hit women. And he's like, but she hit me. I was like, I totally get that. Doesn't matter. It's a non-negotiable. That's the rule. And one day I will have the conversation and be like, listen, if the six foot seven, 320 pound roller derby woman comes over to you and starts bashing your head into a bar, defend yourself. Right. Because I'm not going to let you live that down. Right. Right. But at the same time, it's not time for that conversation. It's not time for that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Those, those things a lot of parents will decide that they're protecting their kids from things they don't need to see. But what they're doing is instead of them teaching and giving the opportunity to, to talk it through and understand they're letting the world media yep. movies, things that are not real. I mean, it's just not real. It's not how life works. Mm-hmm. And um, the wife thing, I think we need, I think we have a lot in common here. You know, my wife was a, she always told me from the beginning, I'm going to be a professional woman. She's a physical doctor in physical therapy, yep. worked, loved working, um, eventually made the decision like, wow, it's really cool being home with the kids. But that came on her timing and it was mm-hmm. her and I was totally supportive of her balancing, man, that yep. balance. You talked a little bit about it. Like, you know, your wife wants, you know, the gun thing. Uh, you know, what I've done, it's, it's, it's similar. What I've done is just slow exposure. And, yep. and have conversations with her beforehand. And this is how I'm going to keep them safe. And this is what we're going to do. And yep. um, 
And how has that balance been for you? Because I, I'm living the same, the same thing. A woman who loves her kids so deeply, so deeply that sometimes there's protection that actually is more probably harmful than helpful. How do you manage that? We, it, it's always a conversation, right? And I start with like, here's what I think, right? She explains her side of things. And I say, all right, well, like, do you, and I'll ask like, do you, what do you think about what I think, right? And she'll try, like, she'll poke some holes. And I'm like, all right, well, here's what I think about what you think. And I'll poke some holes. And we try to find a, a common ground. I'm, I'm never, and this is like something that I talk about. Like I've told some people, like, I never try to change my wife's mind. I try to show her my side of things. That's all I'm trying to do is just try to help her see things through my eyes. Mm-hmm. Right. And if she changes her mind, great. If she doesn't, then that's fine. Like we will, and I want to see things through her eyes too. Uh, snacks, snacks are a big thing. We talk, you know, I, I mentioned this, my wife wants this, has this mothering instinct to feed her babies. And my daughter will be like, one day she'll eat, you know, three bowls of Oreos and three scrambled eggs and two strips of bacon. And the next day be like, no, I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you don't want to eat that, you can get down. We're not going to, but you're not going to get a snack for the next till lunchtime. And an hour later, she'd be like, I'm hungry. And my wife would be like, oh, and she'll like, and she'll like, oh, here, give a snack. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Like, cause now you're teaching that leads to these bad behaviors. Right. Um, and it's, it's always a conversation, you know, and it's, and there are some things that we go, you know, back and forth on, like I said, like, I was excited to like, I wanted to go out and get a BB gun and get a 22 so I could like start showing my son this stuff and like all this. And she's like, let's just slow down a little bit. I was like, okay. And she brought up some super valid points. We just moved. Um, when we lived in California, besides the fact that it's really hard to own a firearm in California, uh, we lived on a third story apartment. I was not going to bring a gun safe up to the third story apartment. We are waiting on a safe to be delivered. Yeah. So right now our firearms are on the, they're locked in a top shelf. And my wife said like, listen, I don't want to start showing them these things until we have a very safe, secure way to lock them up. And I was like, that hundred percent makes sense to me. 100%. Communication, communication and, and listening to, for understanding, not just listening for yes. whatever. I think, man, what great advice. And I think they're, my wife will sometimes do these extra protective things, but she, we're, we're a little different and I'm like the, the little more of the softy on like, you know, the, the line, she's this black and white, like, boom, no, <laughs> no, you will not eat anything. Um, so, but, it, but it's, it's coming together and understanding also explaining to your kids and, and then consistency consistency yeah but that communication i think consistency. yeah yeah that's awesome yeah. I, I think i mean consistency is a, a huge part of that too it, you and that's even if my wife and this happens like if if i say i might say no you're not going to get ice cream because you didn't eat your dinner and then my son would be mom said i could have ice cream and then i'll look and i'll be like, like i did say that like all right you can have ice cream. And then we'll have a conversation. Like, why did you give him ice cream? Like I said, he, and she's like, I didn't hear you say this. Like, okay. It was just, you know, not all time. Here's why. Right. 
but we're never going to overstep the other one. Respect. You know, respect. The only caveat to that is safety. There are tons of times where um, I don't know anything about horses and I don't plan on knowing anything about horses, but we're going to get some horses and that'll be my wife's thing because I don't care about horses. I think they're shafty or shifty, but uh, if I was in the wrong spot of a horse and my wife was like, you got to move, I'd be like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> right. But when we're out in the public, I have a very unique set of skills. No, um, I have a, just a higher awareness of those things because I've, I've, I've trained myself into that. Yeah. And so if I like ever say, I'm like, hey, move. And my wife's just like, okay. So safety. Uh, uh, curious how you feel about um, being the the protector and the leader of the home from a coming from a home household of a, of a working wife like I am uh, she's not now but you know uh, mindset um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about those two things I that's a really good question I don't think I've actually ever thought about how I feel about those it, there's so there's never been a doubt in my mind about the protector right, right. Um, I tell like my wife is my wife can, you know, she, she's, uh, she works out, she weightlifts all that. My wife is, you know, um, she can take care of herself at the same time. Like, I don't ever want her to be in that situation. Uh, right. So there are, I don't know. That's a really good question. Like, I, I'm going to, I might have to think on that more. Like, I, I don't know. I, I guess I've never really thought about it. Like I am like my, my mind and my wife's job is to protect our family. Yeah. My job is to protect my wife and my family. And that's my, that's my number one. Like if, cause like I tell my wife, if anything ever happened to her, like I would punch her. Um, and she was like, what if I like die? I was like, I would punch you because I'd be pissed. Um, but he, like, I have to keep her around because I need her in my life. Uh, but at the same time of like being the, the person who is like the, the more in tune with like we're getting lunches and we're eating in baths and stuff like that. I, yeah, I don't know. I think it does allow me to have, I am more of the black and white. Mm-hmm. These are the rules and this is how we do things. Um, and like my wife will send me a text. She's like, how was it? I was like, I was like, we were having a really good day. Everybody ate their dinner. We had ice cream. Nora put half a bottle of shampoo in her head. It took me 10, took me 15 minutes to wash it all out. Right. And uh, I don't know if you guys are having any more kids. A daughter uh, is a unique challenge in so many just ways that I just never thought about. Yeah. I'm a boy dad. Uh, yeah. We're done. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, just how, like, how long shampoo will stay in somebody's hair. Like, obviously, I right. am not a worry. Right. So, <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. But I was like, just, it was like, I don't understand. Like I just kept pouring water on it. And there's just more bubbles. It's not compute. <laughs> yeah. Formula is not right. I just didn't, I just didn't get it. They, uh, but it's, uh, so I wanted to tell this story and this is something that, uh, goes along with that being the protector and the person who's home. So, uh, I had a five days ago, I had the most 
chilling and scary moment of my entire life. I lost my kids. And it was that same, like everything you see in the movie is a split second. They were there, they weren't. And basically my wife was, she was going to the, she was going to the grocery store. She, I think it was, it might've been Sunday or something like that. She was just going to go to the grocery store, pick a couple things up real quick. And I was like, okay. And as she left, she sent me a text message. Hey, will you just check on the kids? They were outside. They were walking down the driveway. Now we have a 500 meter long driveway. The downside are, it's great. We're super far off the road, but it's 250 meters. And then there's a tree line that our driveway goes through. And then another, and then you're at the main road, another 250 meters. So I was like, yeah. So I stuck my head out. I saw the kids. I was like, hey, no, back up here. And this is okay. And they turned, came back up there. My mom called me. Uh, we were just having a conversation. Like, all right, cool. 10 minutes, 10 minutes. I walked back outside and I walked down the front porch and I didn't see him. And I screamed. I just, I always call my son because he's the louder one. So I call for my son, Lincoln, and I don't hear a response. So I was all right. So I go through the house. I go to the back porch. Same thing. Now, I'm not a small person. I grew, I was in the military. I have a booming voice. When I want to be loud, it's loud. And I started to raise my volume. Like I can hear it echoing off the hills in the distance and no response. And I'm like, all right. Now, at this point, I like called my son's name like four or five times. And I tell my mom, I was like, hey, let me call you back. I was like, uh, I can't find Lincoln right now. And he was, she was like, okay, cool. Just let me know. I was like, all right. Hang up the phone. Not worried. Now I'm a little, I'm starting to get angry because they're not responding. I walk outside. Now I walk off the porch. I go outside. I scream their name, scream my son's name a few more times. No, I can't. I scream, wait, no, nothing. I go to the front yard, scream, wait, no. I look at my dog. Where are the kids? Right. He just looks at me. So I'm like, all right. I start walking down because the way our property is set up, our house is literally in the middle, but there's fields that go off, right? And tree lines. So I start walking down to one corner of the field where you can't quite see. And I'm screaming his name and I don't hear anything. I'm like, all right. Now I'm starting to get like, now I'm angry. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I walk back up to the house. Now my son knows my phone number. Like you just said, Hey, what's your daddy's phone number? And he can just diddy it off. Right. So I was like, well, you know what? Maybe he walked down the driveway and uh, we like Glenda Wilson, who's our neighbor in the front, uh, older 87 years. I was like, maybe she saw him or something. So I grabbed my phone. All right, cool. I'm still walking around. Now I'm getting tired because I've gone up and down the, like the driveway a little bit. So I jump in my truck and now I am driving my truck around the property. I am bombing through fields down the driveway. I'm screaming their names. Now, now I'm panicking. Now I'm not mad. Now I'm scared. Yeah. I'm driving around and now we're at, we're at the 22 minute mark of from when I realized that they were missing. Ooh, that's a long time. I've, I have screamed their names a hundred times. I am literally like, like my fields are messed up right now because I was like in my F-150, lifted F-150, like bombing down. Yeah. I call my wife because now I've made the decision that this has been too long. Something's wrong. I it, like, I have to call the police. So I call my wife to tell her I'm calling the police, right? I need to make sure that she doesn't just like show up and there's all this. 
she I tell her I can't find the kids. I've been calling their names. She's like, okay, I'm on my way home. I was like, all right. She said, what are you gonna do? Is I'm gonna call the cops. She's like, okay. So I call the cops. Now I want dispatch. I I know exactly what they're wearing. You know, she's like, we're we've only been in town three weeks. Have were they gone anywhere? Like, no, they don't know anybody here. Like going through this, and they're like, all right, cool. We've got fire, EMS, DNRs on their way. Like everybody's coming. It's like, all right. We're running around. I'm down in the, the woods of our house. We have a pond down there. I'm screaming in there. I'm looking in the water. Like, I don't see anything. My wife gets home. She comes booming up the driveway. She gets out. I'm on the phone with still with the 911. And she starts screaming. And she is like, have you, you know, have you looked in the house? Yes, I've been everywhere. I have torn through my house. I have torn through the, like, everything. I've been everywhere on our property. I can't find them. And I'm on the phone. We're she's like okay now they're calling in like the they're getting ready to like call the helicopter or whatever right <laughs> serious we're, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere yeah and like it's making me a little sick to think about this right now but we my wife goes down the hill and she's calling for him and then she's like hey did you hear that I was like, I, and i have bad hearing i was like no i didn't hear anything and she calls her name again and she can hear my daughter giggle a little bit and she and then I hear my daughter. Now I hear my daughter. I come running up this hill and I see my son and my daughter walking towards me. They're 20 feet away. I literally like drop to a knee. I am crying. I am oh, yeah. bawling. It's the most terrified I've ever been in my whole life. My wife is crying. She's like, Where were you? And they're like, We were playing hide and seek. They were hiding in this. We just moved. And I have a pile of 150 different cardboard boxes in the carport behind the garage that I'm going to use for our bonfire. And they were hiding underneath that. They heard me the whole time and they thought it was funny. They thought that they were playing a game. It was, like I said, I've, I've been shot at, I've been hit with RPGs. I've seen friends killed. It's literally the most terrifying moment of my entire existence. I, I couldn't look at my son for hours. I was so sad, mad, hurt, angry. I didn't know what to do. And uh, we came inside. We, my wife sat him down and said, like, this is not funny. You really made daddy really sad and really, really scared. And they came over and they apologized. I don't think they understood, like, what was up. We sent them to their room and I was like, you just put them in their room. Like, I can't, I can't deal with this, like that with them right now. And we like talked about it. My wife like gave me a bunch of hugs because I was, I was so shooken up about it. Um, like having to call your wife even yeah, to, to like physically call 911 because like, and now like I've questioned everything as I am, who is a person. Right. Yeah. yeah. About being a dad. And we had the conversation. I was like, listen, like, it doesn't matter, game or not. When daddy screams your name, you come running. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. And I like, me and my son talked about it like three times. And the only good thing that has come out of this now is I stick my head out the back porch because I didn't want to, I didn't want to change direction as a parent, right? We had this scary moment. We had to educate and train and teach. I still let my kids go outside by themselves because I don't want that to go away, but I had to work through that process. And I realized as a father, I might not have done, Hey, it doesn't matter. Like I told, like we had rules. Like if you see, as long as you see the house, all that stuff. 
And they now I stick my head out and I scream Lincoln and I hear him like, I'm coming right now. <laughs> and like, and I might not see him for five seconds, but I can hear him. Right. right. And I'm like, all right, this is at least good. But my wife wants to get now the GPS watches. <laughs> and because of that, and I'm like, I don't think that's worth it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, like I'm thinking, it's the first thing that came to my mind when he started telling the story. I'm like, they're high, playing hide and go seek. And, but it's terrifying. I can't, I can't even imagine going 20 minutes. I cannot imagine the rage and fear and love that was overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then going to tell all the first responders, Hey, thanks. Uh, they were, yeah. I'm sure it's not we, the first time they'd seen it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it, that's exactly what it was like rage that was that was a, totally an emotion that i had to grab like right there and that's like my wife like i think she saw it and like when i as soon as i saw them and i fell to a knee and just started like crying like i i literally had nowhere else to put this just this all of this emotion just colliding at once and the one thing like it's the reason i wanted to like share the story is like obviously like not because I don't want people to let their kids go out and play or anything like that, but like it's, it wasn't my children's fault. Right. Like, yeah, they should have lived like in hindsight, like I wish they would have like said something when I called them, but like I had never instinctively told them like when I do this, this and this happens. Right. But like everybody makes mistakes now, obviously like, like I look at it now and even going back, my wife's like, would you have waited longer to call the cops? I said, no, because it is only 500 meters down to our road. And yeah. there is a tree line there. Like if somebody would have grabbed them, like I want somebody on this right now. Yeah. yeah right. No on that For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Most terrifying moment of my entire life. Well, I think, I think, man, if one person listens to this and has the conversation, here's the rules. But if mm -hmm. I'm ever yelling for you, um hide and go seek's done like just even yeah. instruction yep. it's not we're we're done and because they don't know and i love that you stepped right back out okay you still can go outside because it was an isolated incident and mm -hmm. it can't define how you move forward as a father but man what a scary thing and it, it made me think of this when you started describing the emotions and um and the thing that the things that you went through thinking they were lost. I can absolutely without a doubt understand how it's not murder, but how I, I would kill somebody oh, if they harm oh, my yeah. kids or my wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that I, and I have had this conversation with my wife. So um, I am not a Navy seal. I am not any of like that. I have gone through an extensive amount of hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat training. Like I was a martial arts instructor trainer uh, in the Marine Corps. So we use the McMap system and it's very uh, similar to like a Krav Maga kind of, right? It's just a reaction. Um, and I told her, she was like, you know, she was worried. She's like, what would you, what would you be worried about if someone like broke into our house? I was like, well, I would be worried about how emotional you would be when you had to come bail me out. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, cause I wouldn't think twice about it. I was like, it would literally just be an instinctive reaction. I was like, and I would probably just like break someone's neck or 
shoot them or something like that. Like that would probably just happen. And she, I was like, I, and I, I, I've told her, I was like, I apologize for that. I was like, but in my world, it's a fail. It's a, it's a 50, 50, you know, and this is, I joke about this a lot. Everything in the world is 50, 50. It either happens or it doesn't happen. I was like, that is a threat who either is going to win or fail. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure it's a fail. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I'm, I've lived the opposite end of that. Um, I came, I took, I went left one day to pick up my kids. We lived in an old neighborhood in a very big house on the corner. It was really nice. And I saw three people walking and I'm like, mm, they don't belong here, but I was going to get my kids. I came home and came in the house and my boys come out of my office. It's connected. And they're like, Oh, the realtor's here. I'm like, what? They're like the guy in the closet. Um, and I just go walking. I have my phone in my hand. I go walking back there and there is, there's this guy and he's just looking at me and he walks by me and pushes me aside. And I like grab my phone, obviously, and I'm calling and, um, I, I replay that over and over again. I mean, he went to prison. They found him because he yeah. touched me. He went to prison, but like he had to run downstairs right in front of me. I, I could have just pushed a little bit and, it knocked his clock out. The other two, they're all meth heads the, you know, they got away with thousands of dollars of our stuff. They were, when I got home, they were prying on the gun safe. They were prying it open. I mean, they were just like, you know, it wasn't a huge gun safe and they just, you know, and I'm like the timing and the, the fact that my sons walked in on them and all those things. So my whole, the whole message here is you can't be overprepared and you can't no, yeah. be under trained and no. you, you, you can't be unsafe. You, you have to have all the, like if I wouldn't have had my handgun in a safe, which I didn't mm -hmm. before, yeah. that could have ended in a really bad way. Or my gun may have been used to murder someone else. Yep. And then in, in, in my opinion, like that becomes part of like your responsibility. Like that's something that you have to like deal with. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that, you know, it's the only thing I can equate to, realizing that this story is so incredibly important because every man should be thinking right now through the scenarios that could be happening and how they would respond in a um, logical and effective manner. Kids lost. What am I going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Data in the house. What, what am I going to do? Someone breaking in while my family's here. What am I going to mm -hmm. do? Like I, I just, if there's one thing I could do, it would have been, I would have gone back and been trained on how to handle that situation. And uh, yeah. because it could have gone really bad because my kids were the first one to see the one guy still in the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that, I mean, that, that gives me like goosebumps, like hearing like the, and it's like, that goes to show like, and that's uh, a big fan. Like I grew up uh, with my mom, you know, and like a lot of stuff, like we will always, I always believe in hope for the best plan for the worst. Yep. Right. Yep. And that lead, like, why do we have like some of these rules and why do we do certain things and why do I believe certain things? And I'm like, you know what, like as a, just to go along that uh, role, role um, I believe that a, like a, a concealed carry, right? I hope that in my opinion, like if you have a concealed carry, I hope you never have to use it. Absolutely. But the one time that it is required, like it, what is the differentiator there, you know? that literally could have been a story about how a local man and his children were murdered. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. 
And that's, I mean, and that's the way that I look at like some of that stuff. Like I, I would rather, I would rather spend my entire, like if I went the next 50 years of my life and I was never in another physical altercation, that would be great because my knuckles are old and they're (laughs) arthritic and I don't want to hit anybody. But at the same time, if I ever had to have, if that ever became a situation and I would always use, I like, I'm not a, a big drinker um, or anything like that because I, I don't like being in some sort sense of out of control, but I always believe in being a level head, you know, cool, calm, uh, cool, calm and collective, but being able to have the skills and the, the knowledge and like what to do in this situation. Right. Like that's, that's where like, when it comes to safety, my wife is a, she's like, Oh, pens in charge. Like, yeah. because yeah. she doesn't have any, she, literally one of her favorite stories that we were we were at a bar and some people were kind of like pushing each other and i literally just grabbed her and slid her aside and she she didn't even know what was happening and then the guy came over i just grabbed him pushed him back into the like just you know stay over there and she was like what was that i was like well that was a bar fight right there and she's like i didn't even see it i was like yeah this is this is why i'm in charge of safety that's that's our role that's the (laughs) way you do it you you do it calmly where it might not even be noticed and that's yep. what a man does. Absolutely. Yep. That's dude. We're out of time, but that was, I know man. Story to end on. <laughs> I meant to get to it earlier and I'm so glad you didn't let that drop. I think there's so many lessons in that story that, um, the men that listen to this podcast, like take note, be prepared, talk to your kids, make a plan and, but let them go, let them have fun. Yeah. Have experience. Um, such a, such an amazing, valuable thing to think through and plan for. Thank you so much for being. Thank you, man. And what a what a awesome time. We will do it again. I'm telling oh, you yeah. now. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm it, excited. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, it, we got more stories. I got more stories. Do you have more stories? Oh, dude, I got stories <laughs> for days. Hey, everybody! Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, and thank you to our friend with two first names i mean he's gonna kill me for that ben tim hey wait a minute like i gotta stop you you everybody who you meet who has two first names probably has three first names oh what's your middle because my middle name is alan how many middle names are there in the world that aren't also first names oh my there you go so my name is benjamin alan tim right or bat for short (laughs) uh but everybody who has two first names has three first names almost guaranteed yeah, that's incredible. That is so cool. So the man oh. with three first names. <laughs> Tim, thank you. And for the listeners, hit that subscribe button. And one little plug I'm going to give is someday our message may go against Facebook's policies. The Brotherhood of Fatherhood group may disappear outside of my knowledge. Who knows? But I'm not going to give my... <laughs> future of helping men and talking to amazing men up to one company. So because of that, on the www.brotherhoodfatherhood, there's no of, .com. Just go there. It's where you buy the little box where you can get the Brotherhood shirt, all that stuff. But just go there, let the pop-up come up, fill out the newsletter. I'm not sending emails right now, but if it comes to it, I'm going to be sending emails. So do that. Make sure you're on our newsletter because by golly, that's the standard right now is we're getting wiped off the face of the nation. And I, I know 
that men in the home as leaders are under attack and it may be the reason they bring it. They, we have the wrong message. I don't know. We have the right message. If they say we have the wrong message, they're wrong. We'll we'll move somewhere else. But in the meantime, protect yourself, protect your, protect your ability to be plugged into this incredible group because in the future, in the future, I hope it's not too long, but in the future, we have some sick stuff scheduled. We have some amazing ideas in place and you will want to know about them. These aren't Facebook, these aren't online. These are in-person amazing opportunities to be around men like Ben, like all the other people that we've had on the podcast. And um, you just gotta know. So be on the podcast or get on our email list, listen to our podcast, have a great day. That's my order.